And now, Dan Happel's Connecting the Dots. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. I thank my lucky stars to be living here today. Where the flag still stands for freedom and they can't take that away. Forget the men who died, who gave that right to me, and I gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. God bless the USA. Well, good uh, Tuesday morning, and welcome to Connecting the Dots with Dan Happel. Thumper, good to see you, my friend. Uh, Today, we've got a couple of really, really uh, good guests. Uh, Of course, my good friend Harry Bullions is always, always an interesting, great patriotic guest, and I always uh, enjoy any conversation we have with Harry. But I've got a new friend that I met at the Red Pill Expo in Des Moines, Iowa. And this is a young lady who grew up in South Africa. Her name is Mandy Jacob. And she is also very familiar with what's going on in South Africa now and still has quite a few friends there. She's living in Southern California. And I'm looking forward to uh, her input in this as well. Michael, I, 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 first of all, I want you guys to understand, I follow a program, uh, Michael Dabari, who is known as Badass Uncle Sam. He uh, lives in the uh, New Orleans area, and he is out on the street on a daily basis telling truth and talking to people and doing interviews with people out on the street about what's happened to our country. And he is a really, really grand patriot. And I want to uh, thank him. I, it's always, I feel honored to follow his program because he is such an incredible patriot. So uh, with that said, Harry, I see you're ready to go. Welcome to the program. We are going to be talking about South Africa and the human tragedy tragedy of epic proportions that's going on there now because of the genocide against the white people there. Uh, And believe me, that is not an overstatement. Genocide doesn't have to be immediate. It can be over a period of time. And that's exactly what they have going on there. Harry, welcome to the program. Well, thanks for having me on the show again, uh, Dan. Uh, hope you're fine. You look great, great by the way. <laughs> well, good. I, I, uh, I've got a miserable head cold, but uh, uh, other than that, and I'll uh, probably be commu- uh, muting myself here well, occasionally. Just well, to- let me, let me, let me guarantee you that uh, 
anything you hear about South Africa is bound to clear a head cold in a few minutes. <laughs> You're right about that. And either that or kill you. One yeah. of the two. <laughs> anyway, uh, I wanted uh, to introduce you to a young lady that I met at the uh, Red Pill Expo in Des Moines. Uh, Mandy Jacob is a opera conner, and uh, she is someone who uh, knows firsthand exactly what's going on down there. We had a great conversation. It was abbreviated, but we had a great conversation when we were at the red pill and I thought, boy, we've got to bring this young lady on. She is an attorney and she is a, a marketing expert and uh, does a lot of things that might work really well with what we're talking about doing right now uh, with the uh, potential of trying to create some kind of a, a mechanism to help some of the people who are trying to emigrate to the United States. So anyway, that that's yeah. kind of a lead in. And uh, Harry, how are things oh. up in your neck of the woods? And I know you're following what's going on in South Africa right now, and they're trying to paint uh, Malema as some kind of a uh, centrist. I I cannot <laughs> believe. <laughs> yeah, I cannot believe it. They're trying to say, well, he didn't really mean it when he said kill the boy. Yeah, the, the 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 desperation of the left hand end of the Western spectrum is now becoming actually hilarious to watch. They really don't know how to tread anymore because whichever way they step, they step into the consequences of 40 years of BS, you know. And uh, so Malema, let's see, a guy who dances around on stage screaming, kill the farmers, makes his his hand into the shape of a gun and goes, pa, pa, pa. He is a centrist, right? Mm-hmm. Devoutly well, communist, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but he, he is a centrist. Well, you know, uh, let's put it this way: <laughs> a centrist uh, anymore is not quite what we thought of uh, ten years ago as being a centrist. So uh, maybe in South Africa he might be. You never know; it might be getting that bad down there. Well, I I would like to say hi to Mandy. And yeah, so now we'll I can, I can almost see her because she's got a light right behind her head, which makes it awfully difficult. Oh, I'm so, sorry. <laughs> you found it. Yell goodbye, Danke. Sorry, I'll change the view, but there's just, it's California. There's light everywhere in this house. Sorry. Yeah, that, that That is a point about California, I got to tell you. Anyway. Well, uh, uh, Mandy, I wanted to introduce you to Harry because Harry is a PhD. He's a physicist. He worked wow. in the South African weapons industry. Uh, wow. He is also an extremely accomplished author and uh, a great patriot. And he he is uh, trying to make sense out of all the nightmarish things going on. But the fact is, nothing makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and the only thing that makes sense is it makes sense if you want to kill off uh, the white people in South Africa. That's the only thing that makes sense. 
Well, Dan, you know, and Harry, it's such an honor to meet you. And I just, before a disclaimer here, I'm not an attorney. I got my LLM, but I never signed up to be under the British crown. So just so uh, you know. Uh, that, okay. That's interesting because I was about to say some of my best friends are attorneys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I probably have the brain of one, but I won't. Yeah, that's a whole rabbit hole. Um, that the red pull well knows about, but um, mm. I have a friend. You said Dan, it doesn't make sense, and I have a South African um, who I need to. Con I'm I'm just thrilled with all these connections. But he actually started documenting what was going on during COVID and the parallel between COVID and South Africa. And when he showed me, he actually wants to make a book about it. But when I, he showed me, I said, you know, it's actually. I mean, Harry, I, when I was at university. I was at UCT. They were decapitating the white man's head back then, remember? Sure. And yep. that was, yeah, that was pre-apartheid. They were already setting the stage. I mean, there's nothing different. They were doing the same over here in Ventura when they wanted to take down the statue. Yeah. Um, and I just thought they actually, you know, Dan, that was the whole point of Red Pill is that um, we've been asleep for too long, but when you wake up, they not they don't do anything differently it's the exact same game plan and dan thank you for bringing this to the fore because uh, yeah i've been fighting this for 12 years so uh, it needs I, to I, get out i warned i warned uh, the folks in america 2 years before it happened that you're going to see your statues taken down mm -hmm. and yeah. no i'm I, I i promise you i am not clairvoyant <laughs> I have no special powers. I don't have a spidey sense, though I have been bitten by spiders. I have no special access. I have, there is nothing at all whatsoever special about me and my information. Other than that, I grew up in South Africa and I can smell things coming because I've lived them before. And folks over there have lived it before, and we can tell folks how it work. The big problem is that they don't listen. Well, they don't. They choose not to listen. And if there is a, a, a uh, uh, I guess, a flaw in the American character, it's the fact that uh, so many Americans love and fully embrace cognitive dissonance. They, they would rather ignore uh, the most obvious things than face up to them and do something about them. I thought that was the Canadian disease. But, uh, well, yeah, your, your Canadian disease is little Castro, but uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> that's, your, that's your disease. Uh, anyway, uh, let, let's let's uh, start this conversation because Harry, you and I have just recently Alex Newman uh, introduced us to a lady who escaped South Africa, and she has uh, three children. The oldest, eldest being uh, twenty-two years old, and the youngest being thirteen. But uh, they escaped, and they were working in the United States on work permits that they had a, a difficult time even getting into the country. They had to go into Mexico and uh, ended up coming across the border. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I am having a little trouble with this cold. Um, 
they came across the border. They got uh, work permits, but they are working on work visas. And her husband passed away in May from uh, a heart condition. He's a fairly young man. I think only, I believe she said 43 or 44 years old. And um, uh, so now she's stuck and they were on his work visa. So now she had to reapply and go through all this stuff. And the one thing that stands as a common thread of this is that the uh, Biden administration is making it very difficult for white Christians, but they leave the doors wide open for anyone coming in across the border from Mexico, even provide them with transportation and visa cards and phones and all sorts of things. And yet, if you're uh, an Afrikaner and you come across the border, you're screwed uh, because you know, they, they, you're not one of the chosen ones because you're likely to vote for a conservative. Of course. You know, uh, the, the U.S. is a fascinating place in that, in, in that way. You know, these recent hearings that were held about UFOs, I happened to catch one commentator who, who said, oh, okay, so now we know there really are such things, and therefore there's only one single question now. Are there Republicans or Democrats? <laughs> I didn't hear that piece. I thought, that that, I, thought that, right. I thought that's the perfect summary on the U.S. of the year 2023. Very good, yeah. That goes back to my earlier comment about cognitive dissonance. Uh, that's a kind of convoluted thinking that we can expect. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah, right. But, but the, the, the point that you made, I, I happened to go through some notes I had here, and I thought I should just quickly read you this. It, it, the note I have comes from a very famous author back in the 1800s. And he says... The boor, a white savage who is dirty. Now, I'm a, I'm a boor. I'm an Afrikaner. The boor, a white savage. I'm the savage. Who is dirty. Uh, I guess I'm dirty. Houses himself like a cow. I'm not sure about that, but I can tell you that from a certain angle, my house does tend to look a little bit like a barn. Okay is indolent. I, I have to apologize. I only made Canada just a little bit north of $1 billion, so I must be indolent. Worships a fetish. I haven't quite figured out what he was thinking. I'm a really grim well, that's guy. that's what they call Christianity. Yeah, I know. I'm, I, it, I'm grim, apparently. I'm really very serious. I'm incapable of smiling. Solemn, always diligently fitting myself for heaven, probably suspecting that they couldn't stand him in the other place. Guess who that was? Guess I who said know. that? I don't know. Mark Twain. Really? That's oh, wow. how far back this wow. painting brushing of us goes, okay? Just so as you know, in Britain, it goes back precisely to the year 1800. There's nothing special about it being a round number. It's special about what happened that year. So in Britain, we got painted like that since the year 1800. 
in the case of the U.S., we got painted that way since around 18, what would that be, 1881? Yeah, well, he started writing in the 18, late 1860s. So So somebody feels they gain from, from doing this, you know. But you're going to have to excuse me. I'm going to have to just go out quickly and wash myself, you know. Yes. Yeah, I get that get that crap off your face. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But Harry, I wanted to go back to, before we get into the way it's done, to Dan's question when he was speaking about the people stuck here. Yeah. Could, could, I actually had an immigration business to do exactly that, Dan. Um, and it's, I mean, you're not just breathing this out of thin air. That's exactly what happens. We used to call it the chicken run in South Africa. And we lost, we did, we lost the brains of the country. Um, anyone who knew what was coming would leave. I know we were, you know, Mandela got a Nobel Peace Prize. And when I tell Americans that he was a communist, they can't believe it. You know? Yeah, they can't. And yeah, so I, I don't know. Dan asked me to come on this to to give my viewpoint and I have to be one of those people that I didn't fight for my country. I just left because I, I saw it coming. So in a way I, um, you know, that, that was my way of, of giving back was having this immigration company, but ba- basically that went to the wayside. Um, as soon as um, Obama came in, because that's when exactly what they were doing. They were like, why should we pay you to do this legitimately when we can walk across the border? Right. So it's just, uh, yeah. Well, we need to maybe, Mandy, we need to resurrect that, I think. Uh, and we'll, we'll certainly talk about that off air. But, um, you, you know, you made some interesting observations. I guess you've got uh, a number of very, very close friends who are hot and taut. And uh, Harry, uh, tell, uh, tell Mandy about your uh, background and in, in your uh, genealogy, because you've got some uh, hot and taut blood, and, and well, proud of it. The uh, well, we, we can't. Let's put it this way: but my uh, my wife, for sure, my wife is actually a direct descendant of of the, the lady that was known as Eva the Hot and Tot. She was the first indigenous Southern African person to be Christianized. Um, I myself, here I am, I just remind me again, I I do have to go and wash, you know, after Mark Twain. But uh, the uh, my ancestors include an Angolan woman who actually arrived at the Cape before my first European ancestor did. Which is rather interesting. Uh, they include uh, an Indian woman who came as a slave. She had been sentenced to death in Indonesia and was uh, not pardoned, but uh, her, her death sentence was uh, overturned, and she was then shipped to the worst place on earth the Dutch knew about, which was Cape, the Cape, Cape of Good Hope. And uh, I have uh, some ancestors from the island of Timor. Um, And uh, the interesting thing is if you go back through the genealogy of the vast bulk of Afrikaners, this is the picture that you will find. Okay, Through the years, it became mostly a Dutch-French-German ancestry, 
But the peculiarity of South Africa, this uh, this is one of what I call the drop-dead important historical facts about South Africa, is that it's actually the white Afrikaners in South Africa who have the slave ancestors and not the indigenous black people. The indigenous black people were never subjected to slavery except by other black people. Uh, the whites were forbidden from uh, involving indigenous black people in, in slavery. But they they did capture one Portuguese ship and on board was a whole heap of slaves and that included my ancestor who ended up at the Cape as a washerwoman. Um, by, by a weird quirk of circumstance, both my wife's Indian ancestor and my convict uh, Indian ancestor both ended up in the household of the first commander, the one as a wet nurse and the other as a, other as a uh, a, a washerwoman. And uh, it goes further. My Angolan ancestor's daughter, uh, she, she was associated with the brothel at the Cape and ultimately she became the teacher at the brothel. And so I can proudly announce to everybody that that particular ancestor of mine went directly from the world's oldest, oldest profession to the world's most noble profession. <laughs> you know, so, uh, and then I have to hear discussions about slavery in South Africa. I have to tolerate that from black folks who haven't got a clue about it. Okay. Well, we don't have to tolerate it, uh, Harry. That's the problem. We we uh, we need to point out, and that's what your book does, uh, Mandy. If you get a chance, you should get Harry's book, Amapulu, uh, the birth and death of the second America. And what it does is uh, it talks about the whole history of South Africa, starting in uh, 1653 at the uh, landing at the Cape, at, at about the same time that uh, the Dutch went to. Uh, Manhattan Island in New York City. It was within a matter of, I think, uh, yeah, less than a year. Six, 16, no, no, 1625 in your case and 1652 in our case. Okay. But it's okay. within a generation. Yeah. Anyway, um, I got, go ahead, Harry. I didn't mean to interrupt, uh, but I did want to point oh, out I, your I, 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 I didn't think I was busy with a, with a soliloquy on it. But I, I did think a good place to maybe start is, uh, and I, I tend to do this because people need some kind of recalibration given something like 40 to 50 years worth of absolute tripe that you got fed in the US. So uh, I have what I call the, the drop dead important historical facts. It's actually a little sheet that I printed up. It looks something like that. And you may recall that I put it on the screen some years ago at your Red Bull Expo. The first point is when the Dutch settled the Cape of Good Hope in 1652, the nearest black people were 700 miles away behind the 350 millimeter rainfall line with its higher rainfall and tall grass for cattle grazing. Their civilization was based on milk and they invaded from the Northeast, supplanting the indigenous Khoi and Sun. And the appropriate name these days for the Hottentots is Khoi, 
written for the Bushman, it's sun, but they don't like sun because it needs something bad in their own language. So this is what happens when liberal people try to impose their own thinking on, on the folks they try to protect. Secondly, it took two generations until 1702 before white finally met black in South Africa overland. That was about five to 600 miles east of Cape Town. It took five generations until 1780 before the first major armed clash. Five generations. Okay. And it was at the same spot, which happens to pretty much also be where Bartholomew Dias turned around when he sailed in that part of the world in 1492. Mm. So uh, that's before 1492. No indigenous black South African person was ever enslaved by a white man from anywhere. And I mean from anywhere. But Nelson Mandela's Amakosa did enslave the Amafengu. Mozambique and Angola were the nearest places where the Portuguese traded in slaves. The Portuguese slave routes bypassed the coast of South Africa. The Portuguese wanted nothing to do with South Africa. They wanted nothing to do with the Khoi, the Hottentot. So it's the white South Africans, not the black ones, whose ancestors were slaves of the Dutch. They were often Indian or Indonesian, sometimes black, East or West uh, African. I, in particular, do have a black West African ancestor. Uh, she was known as Isabella of Angola. So they, they gave the of Angola or Fun Angola that was created there as a family name. And the Cape indigenous population were the Khoi and the Sam. As a culture, they were almost completely destroyed by the great smallpox epidemic of 1713. Some groups far away from Cape Town survived. Um, and yes, I have Koi ancestry, but uh, possibly not uh, not EFR a little bit later. Um, and here's the important thing to know. Since 1814, when the Dutch gave formally gave up the Cape, gave it to the Brits in exchange for a few million pounds, the white Afrikaners had no right of return to Europe. Unlike the colonial Portuguese, the colonial British, or the colonial French, today's young Afrikaners' great, 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 great grandfather was the last man with any life in Europe, any right to return to that life. Okay. And um, we were simply not part of Europe's great scramble for Africa that carved up the continent. We weren't part of that. We were the ones getting carved up. So uh, the, the guilt that the Brits walk around with, this guilty conscience, sorry, I can't help them. We didn't do that. Okay. But they deserve the guilt, it. the guilt about the slavery in the United States. Hey, boys, I'm, I'm sorry, man, but I, I can't really help you because we didn't do that. You know, so we don't share this guilt complex that leads to all the stupid behavior. And maybe that's why we look at all of this. We just, we have the blame rained on us. Everybody wants to kill us as atonement for what their own grandpappy did, you know, and we just got to sit and take it. Well, no, I fight back. So if a Canadian gets on my case, I start telling him his own history. And as I told another Canadian yesterday, people try that with me. I'm going to send them back to their mama to go and ask some questions. 
And mama's going to have to tell them, yeah, I'm sorry, my boy, but we really did do that. The guy is right, whoever he is. Mm-hmm. Okay. That includes loading black people on trash trucks to move them out of the town where they lived. That is Canada. Mm-hmm. Sending little pieces of cloth infected with smallpox to indigenous Indians. That's yeah. Canada. You know, that's not South Africa. That's not us. So uh, I can't feel guilty for that. I commiserate with the Indians on that. So people get on my case. I get on theirs. I'm done with this. I'm I'm turning 70 this year, and I've had just on 70 years of this BS. I'm done with it. Oh, right, rightly so, Harry. And uh, I think that's the attitude that more more people have to have. But what we need to do now is we need to get the people living in Canada, in the United States, uh, that are of Dutch uh, heritage, to understand the plight of the people that are now trying to flee South Africa. Many of them, uh, Mandy, you're going to talk about this because you had several friends that were, uh, within the last seven or eight years, uh, were... uh, chased off their farms and i want you to talk about that yeah sure i'd love to i'm i i want to throw a spanner in the works too because uh, you know dan when you asked me to get on this call i was trying to find a solution harry uh, we mm-hmm. we talk offline because the closest i ever came it was my cousin married um musi mamani mm-hmm. i don't know if you're familiar with him um so that, that rings, was yeah. Yeah, he um, actually ended up taking over the DA, yeah. Uh, yeah, which is a libertarian group. And then, um, you know, I firmly believe the only way that South Africa can come back, because the, obviously there's no violence there. We gave over that country peacefully. And the only way to get it back peacefully, which I'm drawing a parallel to the U.S., is to get the churches involved. And so Musi Mamani was a pastor at a church and then was the first black man to be head of the libertarian, you could call it a libertarian party there. And because of the interracial marriage, I was I was so positive about that him running for president. But of course, he didn't get enough votes and the ANC did. And we're straight back to Trump and Biden, aren't we? So, um, yeah. So I I just wanted to give you that um, aspect as well yeah. to the whole politics of how we can try and take this corrupt system and move it into something positive. Yeah. Uh, to, 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 yeah. to, to just put another little tag there on what Mandy said, um, I think folks would probably historically see the DA as the natural child of what used to be, let's call it the white liberal party that then started gaining a lot of other support, uh, mostly among the Khoi people. And then then eventually uh, here on the picture uh, walks Maimane. So uh, he became the first black leader of what used to be a liberal white party. and 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 that's that's kind of significant, but Very. they 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 they. I don't know how to put this any differently. The the DA sits in Parliament. 
the ANC pretends to listen to the, they they pretend to be an opposition yeah. and they pretend to be an opposition and the ANC pretends to listen to them. Well, that's politics, right? The circus. But for me, that was that was the only hope that we had. But yeah. again, bouncing off your comment, I think you're hundred percent correct. This used to be a completely white liberal party. I remember my father voting for them. And now um, the coys, that's what I was telling Dan about. I shouldn't be on this interview. I can just give you personal anecdotes of how I've tried to help them here in the US. But really um, my friend, um, who are you aware, Harry, that they're trying to separate out the coys and the Bura and they're calling it Bura land? There's a whole legal kind of like what's going on here with the new California. Um, I'm aware of efforts, but I, I cannot testify on it. Let me put it that way. Yeah. So I, I know someone here who's, who's like I said, he, yeah, of Koi descent and um, another one, um, you know, a, from Cape Town. I don't know what politically correct word is because we used to call them the, the Cape Coloreds. They're uh, the, government, the government still calls them that in South Oh, Africa. they do. Okay. I wasn't yeah. sure. But um yes. Oh, yeah. So Oh good um, lord, they can't they can't afford to let go of their racial uh, uh, categorizations. They would have to be even handed if they did that. So they cannot they yeah. absolutely cannot afford to let go of that. Well, and I think the point being is that it, the Afrikaners, the Khoi, the Hottentots, and um, the yeah. Cape Coloreds have come together. They want to separate Cape yeah. Town out. They, they, yeah. Because no one really understands. I love that you just, but you gleaned over it and you said there was no war for five generations. The Dutch yeah. were the most peaceful. They integrated with the blacks well, to cause the Cape Colored uh, generations. So uh, yeah, yeah, but the, but the, the 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 to me this this I always say the so-called Cape Colors. Maybe I should just say Cape Colors. The problem is that there's such a connotation in the U.S. to the word colored that one cannot use it as a noun, you wow. know. Uh, but uh, ethnically, folks need to understand that people came from. Uh, 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 Indonesia and from India and yeah, from all Malaysia. kinds of places. Uh, there were the indigenous Khoi people. So in the end, what happened is if you weren't specifically Indian from the 1800s, who came to South Africa in the 1800s, mm. and you weren't specifically white and you weren't specifically black, if you were anything else and any mixture, you were considered a colored. Most of your people were in the Cape and therefore they got called Cape Coloreds. Generally, the language is Afrikaans. That's what they, that's the mother tongue for most of them. If it's English, it's usually acquired. Uh, but isn't, uh, isn't it true, Harry, that the uh, term the Cape Coloreds was uh, given by the, by the British? I don't know how it originally arose, but I can tell you that the Brits played by far the major role in setting the history of what eventually turned out to be the Cape Colored people. There was a thing that they called the, uh, uh, oh, for heaven's sakes, uh, the, oh, they called it the Hottentot Magna Carta. Oh, yeah. Back in, in 1809, I think it was, which was 
presented by the Brits as essentially the salvation and great hope of all the Hottentot people, Khoi people, at the Cape. But actually what it says, what it said was, you're going to be either living at a, 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 a mission station or you're going to be working on some or other white guy's farm. No other form of existence is allowed to you. Yes, you are a subject of the British crown, but you're not a citizen of the British crown. Very much like it was true of the whites as well. They were subjects, not citizens. And uh, the, the point is, that was essentially the end of the Khoi people as a a nation associated with land or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, the, let's say the Brits loom large in the history of the Hottentot people. They also loom large in the troubles that existed for a while between white and so-called colored, and that is that the first British commander at the Cape, no, I lie, it wasn't the first guy, I think it was the second guy, uh, ran about uh, 16, uh, sorry, 1897, uh, ran about that period. He wrote to his bosses in London saying, he can conceive of nothing that would more intimidate these fractious boors of the interior than to create a Hottentot army, which he promptly did, and then he used them to intimidate the white farmers in the Eastern Cape. So playing off two sides against each other because you're more powerful than either. So the Brits have historically been particularly great at doing that. Go into a place, figure out who's who in the zoo, and then setting them up against one another. They did exactly that in South Africa. Yeah, well, uh, the history. And incidentally, uh, Mandy, uh, you, you mentioned to me that uh, – uh, you're, you're Lebanese, uh, your family is Lebanese. Uh, so this, again, goes back to the diversity of the, of the, uh, the whole culture there and the fact that, uh, you know, all this racist crap they try to heap on is just nonsense. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it stemmed from the Dutch. There was no hatred. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we've seen it throughout Africa. It's the same game plan. They just get the one tribe, take the other tribe, and there's civil war. And then what happens? Then the European countries come in and, and rid them of all the natural resources. I mean, obviously, South Africa has our gold, our platinum, our silver, and um, that's how it goes. In the U.S., um, I think your natural resources is the beautiful American entrepreneurial spirit that I came here for yeah. that is being rid of. That's why I spoke that's at the true. Red Bull. I mean, that's exactly one comment I forgot to put in is that the U.S., I was so shocked to know, had a communist party up until the 1950s. And when they disbanded, they were asked, why did you disband? And they said, we've done our job. We've set up the unions and now we're going to infiltrate the schools and in three generations we will have communists and this mm. is exactly what we have and just everyone is too scared to say that we have communists at our, our school you you interview any generation x and younger they will tell you socialism they, they call it socialism but i say i mean i'm it's living right in the heart of communism right here 
Yeah. The uh, I should uh, just before we lose this, I, I I just should mention. I don't know whether Mandy comes from that community, but around the town of Carolina or Carolina, uh, in the east of the old Transvaal province, is a quite an extensive community of folks from Lebanon, originally Lebanese who settled there in the early twentieth century, and they have a hell of a good reputation as businessmen. Um, some of the high-tech companies in South Africa are their creation. So it's it's a, it's a unique community with a unique contribution to South Africa. And I don't think you're going to get any South African to say a negative word about the Lebanese community there. Well, Harry, I love that you say that because I tell people, didn't we used to call ourselves the rainbow nation between before the LGBTQ plus took it over? Because no. that's exactly what happened. I mean, we used to, every community had a function in South Africa. Yes. And, and so, yeah, my dad was an investment banker and that's exactly go. right. They, the Jews were all lawyers, you know, and um, I don't know, the, the Greeks had their restaurants. It's so Greeks funny. had all and the shops. Was, exactly. We the Portuguese had all the vegetable places. There we go. <laughs> and it was love and community and, and it worked. Everybody, yeah. if they ran into a trouble with language of any source, they'd find their nearest Portuguese friends because every Portuguese <laughs> guys I ever every Portuguese guy I ever knew spoke five languages. Yeah. That's amazing. It's just a nation that has God's gift for languages. Well, there we go. Thirteen official but, languages. But, but right? the, the 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 trouble is, and there's a chapter in my book with this title, Mandy. The somebody forgot to check. The rainbow has no color white. Oh, I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. You throw them all together, you get white, like I am. Okay, so I'm I'm a mixture of all kinds of colors. I turned out white in the end, and uh, but the uh, there's no white in the rainbow. That the, you get the rainbow by splitting up white. Yeah, the, well, that's what I was going to say. So that's the common denominator is the white, right? Yeah. It's so you 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 have to break the white to get all the other colors. You see. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, scientifically, yeah. 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 Sorry, well, I'm a physicist. I'm I'm an escaped physicist. I think a certain way. Don't fret about me on that subject. <laughs> well, we won't. But I do want to. Uh, I want to talk about the farm murders. I want to talk about uh, the uh, genocide that is going on now. I want to talk about the recent, uh, fairly recent passing of the the law. You know, it went through the, the so-called uh, um, new constitution of South Africa has gone through a number of iterations, and every time it takes away more and more rights from white people and uh, destroys more and more freedoms. And uh, the most recent iteration... Uh, allows the the state to take away farmland from uh, white farmers, from uh, corporate farmers and white farmers, and say that uh, they're doing it only with excess lands. Now, obviously, the next one is going to be all lands, but uh, uh, Harry, you know, that's something yeah. you've talked about, and... Uh, 
and the fact that they're doing all this race baiting now and really and i this was in my newsletter mandy i hope you got a chance to read that but it it's basically it's excuses by the anc and the eff and all these communist groups it's excuses to uh allow them to continue doing what they're doing and destroying the country and uh, blaming it on someone else rather than themselves, because not a, I don't know a single communist that has a clue about economics. Uh, yeah, you, believe you me, cannot... I grew up. I grew up in a family. My father was a communist. He died while I was quite young, but my oh, wow. father was a communist, and his family were all progressive socialists, and they didn't have a damn clue about economics. But Dan, we, we, we know from experience that you cannot be a communist and have mathematics. That's true. Those two things are mutually exclusive. I actually have that bill in front of me right now. I downloaded it last night. It is not yet implemented. They've, they've got something else in its place that they're moving at the moment because they would have to change the constitution. But here is the draft amendment. Okay. So I can, this is the intent. And it's literally on page two of the bill. It says, be it therefore enacted by the Parliament of the Republic of South Africa as follows. Amendment of section 25 of the Constitution. Point one. Section 25 of the Constitution of the Republic of South Africa, 1996, is hereby, so they refer to the Act of 96, is hereby amended. Remember, this is proposed, it's not yet done. A, by the substitution into subsection 2, paragraph B, the following paragraph. So this is what they're going to insert. Subject to compensation, the amount of which and the time and manner of payment of which have either been agreed to by those affected or decided or approved by a court. And then they add, provided that where land and any improvements thereon are expropriated for purposes of land reform as contemplated in subsection 8, the amount of compensation may be nil. Mm-hmm. Now, that's fancy English, which communists always love. Mm-hmm. They love using fancy phrases, okay, and five-year plans and anything that makes them sound like they're intelligent, okay, and not just common thieves. But basically they're saying um, if land is taken from a farmer for purposes of, quote, land reform, and the problem is not so much with the act as with the term land reform, okay, uh, then the compensation may be zero, mm-hmm. which when you take away all the fancy English, it boils down to if the government can BSU into believing that your farm is going to be used to give to black people to sit on, then frankly, they don't have to pay you a penny and you've got to leave and, you know, everything you paid for, your title is void, everything. So I need Americans to understand that this is not eminent domain. Right, right. Go read. For, for those who don't know, yes, your property can actually be taken in the U.S. 
and it gets done quite regularly. But the law requires you to be properly remunerated. This is not what's being talked about here. What's being talked about here is literally changing the constitution to say that the government can take your property. Right, right. And okay. and they already made uh, uh, changes that said excess lands could be uh, unproductive or so-called excess yeah, if, lands. If you, if you just own it and you're not doing anything with it, uh, then they can take it whether you have title or not. So right. they, they, they in, in the first round, I think what happened in Parliament is this attempt got struck down in the first round because Julius Malema, he got his people to vote against it because he woke up one morning and thought, oh, good Lord, they could take my stuff. Hmm. No, we can't have that. The ANC doesn't like me. I'm competition to them. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, boys, whoa, stop, 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 stop. We can't, we can't have that. They're going to take my stuff, man. That's what happened, okay? And so the EF, the, the, his bunch of communists voted against it, and everybody in the country sort of did a double take, took some cold water, and wondered what the hell just happened. See, that's where been, he got it, the reputation of being a moderate. Yeah, it... it, it, it <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can't make this stuff up. No, <laughs> uh, but we, we have a tiny problem in that we've, we've spoken a couple of times about Malema, and probably people should understand what this thing called Malema is. I, sh I kind of, my skin crawls at the thought of calling him human. Um, well, I always make the connection. I think he got his name Malema, but it probably should have been melanoma. Okay, yeah, that could well be. He's a petty from the north of the country, so he, he, he doesn't know much about the rest of the country. Um, I'm looking here quickly for a uh, link that I have that might do the trick, but I'd, I'd have to, as usual, figure out how to do the sharing thing. Well, once you do that link, I'll just do it because I'm all about love and no war and what have you. But let me tell you that this man, I love the melanoma thing, because if you hear the statistics of South Africa, you will, yeah, we're the most violent country in the world. And it's because of this man, he has infiltrated their minds that they don't have to work, that they can take from the white man, the, the hatred and the toxicity. And the, um, there's a rape every 30 seconds. We have the biggest, um, and mostly are of kids. We have the biggest child sex ring in the world. We are owned by the CCP. I mean, I can just give you the, I can keep going. I don't, I didn't want this to be negative, but Malema is a huge part of taking this new generation and letting them think, you know, when Mandela came, they all thought that everyone was going to just get a new house. And so this is part of how this act is coming. And once we start amending a constitution, we are on a slippery slope. This is why 12 years ago, I started up the California Constitutional um, Alliance because we, oh, there we go. You've got the link. Yeah. Um, we've just I'm got sorry, to fight I, back. No, go ahead. I was I just know. talking while you, and yeah, I'm, I'm so sorry. I have to sign off. I've got three kids that um, I have to get to schools and classes and things in okay. about six minutes. Uh, we'll be here on. for another hour. If you decide that you have time, you're welcome to check back in anytime. 
Oh, I'm so sorry. I, yeah, next time I will totally blot out the two hours, but um, I, I, I'm still sitting for another six minutes and then I'll run off. But thank okay, you so, for having me. So I think what I need to do is hit the share screen button and then drag this thing into the picture. So let's see. Yep. You're going to have to tell me even when it works. Uh, All right, shit. you got it. This is, is screen it? share. Yeah, you're showing uh, Malama doing his shoot the boar thing. Are you seeing it? Yes. Is there is there anything about that that's unclear to uh, you know well, uninformed be, Americans? Do I know, need the, to translate anything? Uh, honestly, Harry, the thing that is so disturbing about that is that if any of the 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 whites in South Africa had done anything even remotely like oh that, they would have been destroyed by the, by the yeah. world uh, press, by everyone, uh, the world community would have disowned them completely. Well, old Elon Musk saw that and he went straight after Ramaphosa, the president, and said, why are you so silent when this man is calling for genocide? And of course, now, any person one millimeter left of the right in the U.S. is now attacking Musk for that. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's the way it is. That, that I'm I'm sorry, but that is what your society has become. Mm-hmm. The rest of the world kind of looks at it and shakes its head and says, "Dear Lord, what is this?" In the U.S., there's an instant rush by the left to defend Malema. But I'll, I will have to tell you something, Harry and. I think, uh, Mandy, you living in California, Southern California, you'll verify this for me. We have seen a major shift in the uh, perception of average Americans. And I do believe we have far and away the majority of people now in our country are starting to see just how nasty and evil communism really is, and they're starting to understand, even though there's been a, a an intentional uh, cognitive dissonance to try to ignore this stuff, it's so in your face now that they can't ignore it anymore. And I think average Americans, I would say uh, at least, I would think 70% of Americans are saying, wait a minute, this is not good. We need to go back and rethink the way things are happening. What do you think about that, Mandy? Oh, Dan, I'm so glad you hit on that because that's exactly where I'm at. I mean, in in the cracks of the fire here, you hit the nail on the head. I, Harry, I moved to this country for the Americans, and they are our last hope. And that's what I keep saying. That's why I'm fighting so hard for this country. I believe 100% what you said, Dan. It had to get this bad for them to realize that now 
is the time to stand up and fight. And people are, it's so simple, Harry. We just have to speak our story and people are listening. Now they're listening. I opened up the California Constitutional Alliance 12 years ago. People thought I was nuts. But mm -hmm. now in California, I don't know where you are. And so, Harry, that is our hope, really, is to just I'm keep talking and showing people. So thank I'm you, Dan, and thank you for having me. Yeah. And um, I look forward to go. connecting with you too, Harry, uh, a one-on-one. Yeah. -on -one. We've got to solve okay. this problem. Don't, in the US. don't, don't be a stranger. Phone. And for what it's worth, I'm in the San Francisco of Canada in Vancouver. Ooh, we, we, we chose the hotspots, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> And well, bless you, Dan. Bless you for having this. Thank you for showing this. I mean, my friends were kicked off their land like eight years ago, but this was happening 20 years ago when they were killing yeah. the farmers. So yeah. thank you for being so well-researched and, and just putting this out on your platform. We just bless. I just pray that everyone that hears this message and wants to get connected and get active, um, just contact Dan and support his ministry and what he's doing. And, um, yeah, you definitely have my support however I can help. Okay, well, we'll be in touch, and I will connect, uh, give your information. Uh, we'll cross-pollinate between you and Harry. Anyone that you want me to uh, speak to, uh, let you know give me their contact yeah, information i'll be happy to do that i i definitely i have so many people okay my son's about to burn down the kitchen so okay. bless you all, all right. thank you good Bye. luck there thank you okay harry uh well okay. i thought that, that would be a beneficial yeah. uh and and uh mandy is an, an a young person at least in our you know, on our parlance, I on think. On my scale, know. certainly. <laughs> yeah, and uh, on my scale, too. And I look at her as being a, a brilliant asset and a hope for the future because she's young enough that uh, and has a young family and is involved enough that maybe she can be that next generation. She didn't need to get to be 65 to wake up. No. And obviously, her family uh, feels much like her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, uh, what I can tell you, Dan, is interestingly, here in, here in Vancouver, uh, there's enough South Africans here so that whoever you meet, whoever you meet, knows another South African. That's great. Okay. And a young man walked up here yesterday offering a service to wash windows. And he said, are you South African? I said, yeah. He says, man, I'm sorry about what's happening down there. Mm -hmm. Like he's a Canadian guy. They've been locally born Canadian, right? Mm -hmm. So it's at the point where people are starting to understand. But when you're stuck in Canada with a government led by a guy who you know, I, I, I'm still waiting for somebody to explain to me the the exact difference between him and a blob of DNA infected axle grease caught between a hairdo and two hairy legs. Uh, you know, I'll I need that explanation. Guy's not good for anything. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, but the thing is, Harry, this is something that is good, and it happened with the uh, the truckers going to. Uh, uh, the capital to, uh, you know, complain about the, the clot shots. 
the vaccination mandates yeah. and all this stuff, yeah. uh, it woke an awful lot of people up. And we now have uh, a Canada that, for the most part, you know, they're going to have to cheat like hell to get him reelected because yeah. I think most people in Canada with a brain bigger than a pea would not vote for little Castro. I call him baby doe. Yeah. His father was Trudeau and he's baby doe. Well, and that's pretty close to, uh, uh, you know, well, and baby doe in, um, in, uh, Haiti, you know? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Very close. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I'm not sure where exactly you'd uh, uh, like to go from here in the conversation. I'm sitting here armed with a large collection of slides that relate to the subject of uh, what's happening to the farmers and what's happening in South Africa. Well, uh, let's go ahead I, and do that, and then we'll save the last maybe 15 minutes, and we'll talk about um, – I think we need to – create a platform that we can get people involved as being sponsors, possibly uh, providing work, possibly people who have farms and are involved here in the United States, uh, providing a a mechanism to help these refugees uh, get their, get their feet under them and start saving uh, those who are left that get out of the country, because this is a remnant of a very, very important population of white Christians that are escaping uh, despotism. Well, you know, I, I could cause a bit of a mess here for you, but um, uh, I, I drew up a affidavit yesterday for this uh, family that mm-hmm. we spoke about earlier. And I sent it off to to our mutual friend, Alex, for a read. I asked him, you're going to have to cut that thing viciously. I'm too invested in what I wrote to cut it. He came back and he, no, he won, He actually added. <laughs> so, okay. uh, I, I was worried that it's way too long because it's six pages long. Mm-hmm. But the point is, there's a bunch of stuff in here that I've laid out, I think, fairly well, um, and which may actually go a long way to sketching for people what the situation is. So if, if you would have me go through this, it might be instructive. I, I would love that, Harry. Okay. I think that's important. So, uh, uh, because I've had to think carefully because I'm going to have to take an oath over this, right? So I need to go off to the notary's public and swear on the Bible. I take that very seriously. So I wrote here that since the much publicized democratic elections uh, of 94 in South Africa, the country has comprehensively degenerated, particularly, but not uniquely, under the former president, Jacob Zuma. Four issues have conspired to provide a particularly sinister overtone to the South African situation, namely criminal incompetence, massive and endemic corruption, staggering unemployment, and bizarrely extreme racism, like you just saw with Malema. 
Most government-led enterprises are chronically teetering on the brink of bankruptcy. Some have been bankrupt a few times. The auditor's report for 2022 for ESCOM, the state power utility, which is causing rolling blackouts all day long, rolling across the country. They said, there's a litany of criminal and wasteful and irregular practices at the stricken South African power utility, unquote. Uh, and I give references. The revenues of the defense giant, Danel, fell from 8 billion, more than 8 billion in 2016 to just 2 billion in 2021. They've had to be recapitalized by that government. Al Jazeera reported in 2021 that the issues around South African Airways, the national airline, is one of many examples around state-owned enterprises in South Africa where widespread corruption has been problematic. Now, what, what, what's difficult, I think, for Americans to understand about almost any other country is that in the U.S., you can gather huge, stinking heaps of money in private enterprise and then fund major projects that way because you're a huge, rich nation. 350 million people just on and uh, immense amounts of money. You don't need to get the government to get a big project going. But in practically any other country on earth, you have to. So the government is where you can concentrate money and then launch an important big project. And so governments in other countries play major roles using state corporations and things like that, which is a weird concept for an American. But it's only weird to you because you're so rich. Other people don't have it that easy putting money together. Also, well, we because we're so rich. And I'm just going <laughs> to uh, say that because we've uh, pretty much squandered that uh, that that station yeah. uh, Anyway, but but even even today, money is relatively cheap in the U.S. Okay, uh, borrowing money to start a business is like near a death sentence in another country. Mm -hmm. um, so I wrote here. Meanwhile, the country has fallen from a position of being by far, and I mean by far, the world's largest gold producer to now lagging seven other countries. The U.S. Geological Survey data says that gold production dropped from almost 600 metric tons in 1994 when the ANC took over, 600 metric tons of gold, to a mere 110 metric tons now. Well, last year, 2022. <laughs> the unemployment among young people under 24 is now 60.7%. Wow. So almost two-thirds of young people, and they are the ones who attack others. They are the ones who perpetrate the crime. They are, yes, the age of trouble. And uh, almost two-thirds of them are unemployed. 
So, yes, the ANC faces an enormous challenge, but the disaster is of their own making. Right. And, they, and they refuse to look at why it goes wrong. They refuse to change their style of doing things. And they blame all of this on white people. And then they take these uneducated black people and they tell them, it's the white man who did this to you. The white man did this to you. This is the white man. And the, some of them dance on stages saying, kill the whites. Mm -hmm. So this is what's going on. Okay. And I wrote you that this economic destruction naturally leads to crime, but this is not what makes the present South Africa so uniquely terrifying. Sociologists might well try to describe this as just a typical African maladministration, which is true in many countries, or maybe inherent joblessness in a developing country, which is also true. But that would belie the situation. When the extreme degrees of corruption and racism are mixed in, it makes for a uniquely toxic brew aimed squarely at white Afrikaners, being those of largely German, Dutch, French descent. This is the same ethnic bloc that comprises some 56 million white Americans. Historically, this grouping has formed the bulk of the South African commercial farming community, as well as its historic administrators. And I put it to you, I think historically in the U.S., they also form a very major block of the farming community. Those of British descent gravitated largely to business. The Afrikaner historically also made up most of the working class white population and populated the poorer end of white society. Okay. Mm -hmm. Guess who's going to get hurt first? Oh, sure. Sure. Okay. So... Politicians of the ruling ANC party and the far-left economic freedom fighters have made a point of singling out Afrikaners for their wrath on various subjects. It's become a national pastime to blame an unhappy event or result on either apartheid from more than 33 years ago now mm -hmm. or simply on Afrikaners as an ethnic group whom they've taken to call settlers. And the ANC and EFF both use the terminology settlers who stole the country from black people. I'm going to come back to that. Mm -hmm. This false rhetoric makes the Afrikaner a target of any unhappy, uneducated black people. And some black politicians have tried to correct this view, but they've had little success. So a guy like Terror Lakota, his name was Terror because he was so great at soccer. He terrorized the other teams. Mm -hmm. And he became a politician. And Terror Lakota could take this no more. So he went on the air and said, this is wrong. Okay, They did not steal this land. They bought it. Okay, they when they, they paid for it when nobody wanted it. Yeah. Yes, you know, and uh, etc. But he, he's just kind of run down in the political traffic. So in reality, indigenous black people were historically never settled west of the Fish River, almost six hundred miles east of Cape Town, and were much further east when the white people arrived. And it's not me saying it; it's their own tribal elders, and it comes from an ANC government document which I have protected by copying it down before they can realize they've screwed up and they delete it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I got it. Uh, the vendor people of the present state president settled in the country after the whites arrived. Mm -hmm. How do you like that? But, okay. And the, again, not me saying it, it's the, the Swedish missionaries among them 
who lived with them in the very early 20th, 20th century. They were called to testify on things, and they testified that these people arrived around uh, 1660, which is after the White Sarat. But these facts, along with the actual land area numbers in South Africa, for example, as per the CIA fact book, actual titled ownership and so forth, and that real data, okay, like the numbers that real normal practical people work with. If you look at those numbers, you'll find out that ordinary white farmers own around 21% of the land. Mm -hmm. According to the BBC, they own 90%. Right, right. And, and, and the BBC just perpetrates this on and on CNN as well. You know, I mean, the BBC is really CNN East and mm -hmm. Canada CBC is CNN North. Yeah, there's nothing to choose between them. And the CNN is a communist news network. <laughs> but these facts, along with actual land area numbers, have not stopped the U.S. and U.K. media from unquestioningly perpetuating the brazen lies. Okay. And so every article about expropriation without compensation, the first paragraphs are all about how white farmers own 90% of the land. So now after that, all sympathy is with black people who don't own much of the land. Well, they're also not told that the homeland areas that the old white government created, white farmers can't have land there, right. but the government, when it does its numbers, it excludes that area. So the argument is that what belongs to the blacks belongs to the blacks. But what belongs mm -hmm. to the whites must be taken and given to the blacks. That, that's right. how the logic goes. Right. And when you question it, you're told, but that's what democracy is. We're the majority, so we can do it. That's called democracy. And that's and why so democracy, our founding fathers, were against democracy and why they created a republic. Yeah, and 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 uh, this is the problem. They they have this weird idea of what democracy is, and they see it just as by any trick in the book, be the majority, doesn't matter on what basis, and then you just nail the minority, and that's how it works. That's the idea. They they believe that's the principle behind it. Okay, and they'll tell you that to your face openly. That that's how it works. That's what it is. Okay. You're starting to understand why white people resisted this for so long? Mm -hmm. Okay. So a major problem is Julius Malema. I don't have to play that again. You already saw him. At least now a guy like Elon Musk has said, hang on a second. You're calling for genocide. Why is your state president not saying anything? So literally thousands of white farmers have been murdered in farm attacks. Uh, these are characterized by extreme violence and brutality often totally gratuitous and consisting of hours of torture before death mercifully comes, okay? I did not put it into this document, but they love using high-speed drills, blow torches, molten plastic, and boiling water thrown down the throats of people, older people's feet put in boiling water. Uh, they enjoy this. This torture is enjoyment for them. You need to start getting this into your heads, dear America. This is enjoyment. This is entertainment. Mm -hmm. People trying to die is entertainment for these creatures. They like it. You need to get used to that concept. You're way too civilized. I come from Africa. They enjoy it. You got it?
Well, and that's um, part of a, a, a tribal culture that uh, quite honestly was a Stone Age culture until uh, until the white man came. Anyway, so the Western world is largely silent, refusing to acknowledge this bizarre racist excesses happening on its watch. And so Afrikaners feel utterly helpless and deserted in the face of all this, especially if this kind of painting us black comes all the way from Mark Twain's time, you know. So how do you how do you even get a, a, a I don't know an ounce of understanding and sympathy when this has been done to you now for 150 years come on 140 years in Britain it's 200 years 220 so is it truly any wonder to persons of any degree of humanity that Afrikaners outside South Africa see that country originally their first love as now the place of their nightmares Home invasion inside towns and cities also take place, but there's a clear message. We're coming for the isolated and exposed farmers first, and then it's your turn. Mm -hmm. So while the matter of farming has zero to do with the economic plight of millions of poor black South Africans, the governing ANC has convinced them that the key problem is that white farmers stole the land, and they, as black people, do not have any, which is not true. To address this fictitious problem, the government has initiated a process of expropriation without compensation, by which they can simply take property without the owner being compensated. I've read you that, that thing already. Mm -hmm. In another Western, any other Western society, this would be called what it is, legalized theft. It is not eminent domain as in the USA, because there is no just compensation. The ANC is entirely clear that this is aimed at white people, particularly white farmers, and more specifically Afrikaner farmers. So, should those farmers flee their farms under a cloud of these threats, or sell their fully titled property before it can be exp expropriated under this law, they may well try to set up businesses. Those returning to South Africa and I'm suggesting this lady that the affidavit is for, okay, may be forced to return, they may attempt to do the same. They may all try to put up a little business. So in doing so, they find they're up against a thing called Black Economic Empowerment, another act of 2003. It was actually nursed into reality at that time by the present president, so he's fully behind it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Far from empowering the rank-and-file poor black people, this is a tool used by the ANC party functionaries to force white businessmen to give them shares in their companies in order to meet racial quotas for management and general HR. So this has created a cadre of rich black South Africans in orbit around the ANC party, fed from the state coffers. So the way you do it is you tax the white guy, you get the tax in the middle, and then you uh, uh, you give the, the, the tenders preferentially to your buddies who vote ANC. That's it. So you, you would say, oh, that's just regular corruption. The scale of it, guys, the scale of it is preposterous. They have completely beggared the country using it. Okay. So this kind of creature in orbit around the government is generally referred to as a tenderpreneur. Like entrepreneur, this is tenderpreneur. There is, in fact, 
a whole vocabulary in South Africa, unique to South Africa, just around various forms of corruption, like tenderpreneur. You don't get that word in English anywhere else in the world. But you know what? It has a Wikipedia page. (laughs) It has a damned Wikipedia page, guys. And I bet that soft sells it, too. What do you want to bet? Well, you got to call up the Democrats. Uh, where's Joe? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he could teach Americans how to do it, it seems to me. So this moniker results from them providing little but their skin color to allow race-based access to tenders from the government. This process is obviously rife with corruption. It has beggared the nation. Desperate to address black unemployment, the government has now passed a new bill called the Employment Equity Bill of 2020. So this sets further equity targets over and above the BEE burden, okay, the Black Economic Empowerment Burden. Within larger companies, the government infiltrates or openly appoints its own men in a process known as cadre deployment. You can search that phrase, C-A-D-R-E, deployment, cadre deployment. Go read it up. In order to force down a written or unwritten ANC policy by various means, including open intimidation. Now, if you have some knowledge of the Soviet Union or even Putin's Mm -hmm. Russia today, you will understand that this is hardly surprising because the ANC was trained and funded by the Soviet Union. That's where they learned this style of doing things. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, I, you know, obviously uh, 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 they are, uh, (laughs) they're setting quotas for admitting kids to universities. So, white, uh, when you look at uh, uh, KwaZulu Natal University, only 2% of the entrance for the medical school may be white. Mm-hmm. Okay, does that sound reasonable to you? Okay, so one has a situation where ordinary white people see no future in the country. They fear the intentions of the misled poor blacks, and they feel compelled to flee the country for the safety and future of their families. These are not disgruntled racists. These are people who have tried hard for 33 years since 1990, 29 of those years under a black government. They tried to make South Africa better. They now fear for their lives and those of their family members. That is it. And I am prepared to sign my name to this and swear an oath to it, Hmm. as I will likely be doing either later today or tomorrow. Good, good, yeah. Okay, so I can go on about what I personally experienced, but uh, this, to the extent that I'm prepared to go and sign my name and take an oath on this, I thought I should share the essence of this Mm -hmm. with your audience because that's it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, now, now get now get you know like if Biden is prepared to be as clear as I am and as convinced of what I'm saying, let him go sign an affidavit about what he's done. Yeah, well, obviously, if we're looking for any relief, we're not going to be looking uh, to the Biden administration. But we, at this point, uh, Harry, it's important that Americans, average Americans understand 
and that we enlist the support and the help of uh, many of the Dutch uh, farmers that are in this country. I've got a, a large community uh, 20 miles from me that uh, are uh, Dutch, Dutch reformed farmers, and we need to get them to help and sponsor and, and understand the drastic uh, situation that's occurring right now in uh, South Africa. And, you know, we see similar things going on now in, uh, in Holland, because in Holland, they've attacked the, the farmers in Holland. The government has gone uh, green. And uh, the second biggest exporter of uh, agricultural products in the world, which is Holland, are now uh, having yeah. to fight for their very lives. Yeah. Well, the uh, you know that my line of argument is that this stuff is coming for the U.S. And uh, I predicted that taking down of the statues and, and all of that. Um, I have, over the years to you, pointed out that your President Obama was not a follower of Martin Luther King, he was a follower of Malcolm X. Um, you know, uh, I would tell Americans, go look on YouTube, just put in there Obama, Kenya. I'm not, I'm not talking about where he was born. I believe he's a legit American citizen. But go and look at the videos that were made of him as he visited Kenya as a much younger man. Okay, and then... Look at what he's talking about. Look at what's going on. It's a man who said he was inspired by the events in South Africa in the 1980s. Well, the events in the 1980s is when people had tires hung around their necks, soaked in gasoline and set alight to burn to death in mortal agony while the people who lit them up danced around them and sang. And that happens to be Winnie Mandela was the queen of that uh, process. Nelson Mandela's wife yeah. was the She's one the that main, was initiating the it. main promoter of it. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I I happen to have uh, a little thing that I drew up years ago. It's an excerpt from a a speech by an American, and he says. There is the calculated terror by elements of the African National Congress, the mining of roads, the bombings of public places designed to bring about further oppression, the imposition of martial law, and eventually creating the conditions for racial war. In other words, the person was saying the ANC is intentionally destabilizing things to force the government to take action so that they can point at the government. And the next thing he said... Uh, the most common method of terror is the so-called necklace. In this barbaric way of reprisal, a tire is filled with kerosene and gasoline placed around the neck of an alleged collaborator and ignited. The victim may be a black policeman, a teacher, a soldier, a civil servant. It makes no difference. The atrocity is designed to terrorize blacks into ending all racial cooperation and to polarize South Africa as a prelude to a final climactic struggle for power. Um he then goes on through some 
other things is this dramatic change, the plight of black people vastly improved, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, citizenship wrongly stripped away has been restored. Past laws have been ended. Segregation at universities ended. Social apartheid laws uh, prohibiting sex and marriage struck down. He says, as the British historian Paul Johnson reminds us, only in South Africa have the real incomes of blacks risen very substantially. Now, I should mention that this is a statement from the 1980s mm-hmm. before the ANC took over, right? In mining, black wages have tripled in the last in the last decade. South Africa is the only African country to produce a large black middle class. Almost certainly there are now more black women professionals in South Africa than the whole of the rest of Africa put together. Okay. Despite apartheid, tens of thousands of black Africans migrate into South Africa to escape poverty. It's tragic. And in the current uh, crisis, social and economic progress has been arrested. And yet in contemporary South Africa, before the state of emergency, there was a broad measure of freedom of speech, of the press and of religion. And indeed, it's hard to think of a single country in the Soviet bloc or many in the United Nations where political critics have the same freedom to be heard as did outspoken critics of the South African government. Do you recognize the politician who said that? No, I, I can't say that I do. This, 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 is, a, this is a quiz. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I, I'll, I'll I send you this. I'm failing that quiz. Who yeah. said that? Okay, boys. Even Democrats at one point said that he was the best president. Joe Biden. No, 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 no. Even Democrats <laughs> said he was the best president of the United States at one point. Of course, they ridiculed oh, him. When he was in Ronald office. Reagan. Yeah, Bobaba, as they would say in South Africa, that was President Ronald Reagan trying to oppose your Congress imposing abject, total, complete and utter sanctions on the country. He told them, you're crazy. Back off. You don't understand what you're doing. He was right. Yeah, he was right. Okay. He's vice president, uh, Bush senior at the time, put the ANC on the U.S. terror list. Mm-hmm. But Dabia took, uh, took them off mm-hmm. at the behest of Condoleezza Rice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know what got into young Bush's head, but... Uh, no, same thing that old boys. They, they were globalists, and uh, that doesn't fit in the program of go- globalism. So we, we had no trouble with a decent guy like Ronald Reagan ran the country. He understood what was going on. George Bush may have been a globalist, but he understood what was going on in South Africa. He ran the CIA at one point, didn't he? Um, I have the reports that he saw. They've been declassified, massively redacted, sure enough, but I got it, complete with full black pages, the whole page redacted. I got it. Okay. Um, But... Yeah, I I don't know. I I seem to be spending most of my time on your show just sitting here staring at a camera exasperatedly, you know, because it is so extremely outrageous. It is so profoundly unjust. Nothing in the history of South Africa was this bad was ever done to any black person that I'm aware of, okay? There's this unbelievable lust for blood. Um, it's well, completely here, out of hand. 
Harry, I there, there's a a um, there's a a bright light at the end of the tunnel here, because all of these programs that they're doing, they have uh, they have taken so much power, and they have assumed that they're going to get away with so much horrible stuff that but they do. Uh, <laughs> well, they do, but the point is, is that uh, it it's finally having an impact on the world, on America. Uh, believe me when I say that there are a lot more people awake today and finally saying we've got to do something about this, and actually uh, saying that they are going to get involved. This, this wasn't this way ten years ago. Yeah. Ten years ago, you and I were considered uh, outliers. We were considered um, uh, right-wing fanatics. We were considered, uh, you know, uh, Looney Tune conspiracy theorists. Well, guess what? The conspiracies are not theories. They're facts. And we point out how those conspiracies were put together and for that, we're demonized by the radical left as being conspiracy theorists, when in fact we're conspiracy, uh, exp we explain and exploit and show how uh, conspiracies are happening, and they're happening not because of what we say, but because of what we're explaining to people. Well, in, in a certain sense, these stupid little banners that appear on YouTube that says uh, things like, uh, this video is about climate change. Read here about climate change. And then they refer you to their page where they then waffle on about what they want to waffle on about. Um, the important point to me is I think – the right-hand end of the spectrum has had an impact because when the left starts thinking it has to put up special banners right. to warn people, then you got to know you've got their number. you got to know you've got them by a part of the anatomy where it hurts. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And my suggestion they... is, since I would like to still be alive when things turn for the better in South Africa, if you've got them by those parts, be my guest. Mm -hmm. Squeeze hard. Yeah, exactly. I think I th I think Republicans in general uh, need to drop this idea that they can fight fairly against what's getting them down. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't fight fairly with the DNC. Okay, mm -hmm. you cannot fight fairly with them. Wake up, grow up. Those guys One. are running. They're running rings around the conservative end of the United States, absolute rings. They beers you from morning to noon, okay? For the rest of the day, they just steal. Mm -hmm. So my comment is you're going to have to actually go to some sort of a boot camp and learn to play dirty like they do. You don't play dirty enough. It's time for you to start understanding that you cannot use the Queensberry rules when you deal with these guys. They well, just laugh it off, okay? They do. And, and uh, Harry, I say something, and it, uh, it's proved right every time. 
And that is there's one thing you could depend out on a communist to do, and that's act like a communist. And <laughs> Which communists, means basically steal. <laughs> yeah, communists do not understand. You know, we hear this, uh, this crap from politicians about how uh, you should be willing to compromise. There's only one thing communists understand. Compromise only means that you go halfway towards yes. them, and then they'll continue to back up, and you go another halfway yes. towards them until you're them. Yeah. That's all they understand. So uh, uh, my, my, I have a few messages for Americans in general, and somehow most of my friends on Earth are Americans. Um, one, please understand that I see the preamble of the Declaration of Independence of the United States. That and the Bible are the two formative documents of Western civilization, as far as I'm concerned. The Magna Carta is some distance back there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, in honor of the Dutch, I should mention to you that that was, in fact, styled on what the Dutch came up with in the 1500s. Okay. So oh. the, under the first William of Orange, uh, your preamble was, uh, <laughs> it's not totally unique and many of the words are identical. I did not know that until about two, two and a half months ago Mm, when I I saw a program by a young Dutch presenter and she put the Dutch one on the screen and I thought, good Lord, that's the US preamble. It's the damn preamble. But it predates it by like, you know, 200 years. Yeah, 200 years. Anyway, okay. So, but let me not water that down. So, uh, 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 all my life, I've looked at the US as the example for what a country should be. And uh, I have, while I've lost faith in all American governments, I have not lost faith in the American people. I think your mothers and fathers raised you correctly. I think the American has an innate good, innately good value system. And that's where I place my faith. I Don't let it go to your that. heads, but that's where I place my faith. No, I would agree with that, Harry. We've had uh, an awful lot of propaganda and we've had uh, a, a lot of people attack that. Primarily they attack it uh, through their uh, trying to avoid Christianity or yeah. avoid Christianity. That's more like it. Yeah. Uh, but in fact, uh, I do believe you're right. I think there's an innate goodness in the sensibilities of uh, average Americans to do the right thing. Yeah. And uh, it's only a matter of time when you push them so far that they start to expose that. And I think that's now. I really do. I I see people saying things to me that uh, 10 years ago they would have argued with me and said that I was nuts are now saying, you know, Dan, uh, what you've been telling me is absolutely right. I just didn't want to hear it. Uh, Even I told you that. (laughs) The the next point that 
I want to make is that South Africa has been the canary in the coal mine of the West. It has played that role as canary. Please understand, the canary is lying in the bottom of the cage, stiff as a rod. The canary is dead. It's done. It's over. I have no faith left that South Africa can be saved. It's going to have to turn into utter hell, mayhem, and bloodshed before anything can happen there. Uh, it's obviously what Malema wants. It's what the ANC is going to get if it continues the way it is. There are opposition parties. They are trying to band together. They have eroded the ANC, but I don't think they're going to take it down because they're not going to play dirty enough, just like the Republicans don't want to play dirty enough. Um so the canary's dead, but I can at least I can tell you how the canary died. You've heard some of it. Mm-hmm. It's too late to save South Africa. I have tried to save what I could, um, and it didn't work. My greater fear at the moment is for America, because if America goes down, it is the end of the West. My mental insurance policy, as crazy as this may seem to you, is Germany. Um, I need for the Germans to now get up off their knees. That's enough atonement already. Get the hell over your case now. We don't need for you to feel sorry about anything any further. You've done that. It's three generations later. Grow up. Mm -hmm. So... And the reason I say this is because Germany is the undisputed leader of Western Europe. And at the time it got recognized as that, stood up and took a leading place in the world and take some of the responsibilities that the U.S. has had to carry. I think Germany needs to stand up. Now, there's something quite hilarious about Germany for me, and that is they have been sort of a, a, a social democrat kind of country for years and years. And it was all stuff like, no, 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 shut down the nuclear reactors. Uh, you must have the solar cells on the roofs. Uh, please, Schultz, make solar cells. Solar cells. Don't make the tanks. Don't make the cannon. Don't make the Mr. Schmitz. Make the solar cells. That's very good. Okay. And then one morning, Putin invades Ukraine. And the Green Party in Germany is on the telephone saying, please, Schultz, stop making the solar cells. Make make the tanks, please. <laughs> you know, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it looks like they've had a wake-up call. Uh, maybe they should have taken a few shots through the legs or something, but uh, hopefully Germany is back on the beat because that would be a good thing. Um Next time, be careful when the German, when the Brits drag you into a war, please. They've, <laughs> they dragged you into three different wars. First World War, Second World War, and the, the story in uh, Southeast Europe, the Balkans, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so uh, yeah. please understand here- they have their motives. Harry, uh, one of the uh, one of the things that we've got to understand, okay, is that we are 
as a people, we are so much better off with a multipolar world. We don't need one world government. We need a whole bunch of countries that are free to act in their own self-interest, that have free citizens that can act in their own self-interest because those systems cannot tolerate a despot. And you won't get a despot in those kind of free society. The more they try to take away our rights and force us into a unipolar world, a, a, a world where we have one source of government, I don't care if you know they appoint bureaucrats from all over the world, that is not as good a system as a totally free uh multipolar world of uh, people that act in their own self-interest. Just that simple. Yeah. My, my other bit, of course, is that I've warned that you can look at South Africa to, to see what's coming. I've mentioned the thing about the statues and all of that, uh, the way the government has tried to absolutely control and take everything. Um, all of that has pretty much happened in South Africa. And having taken everything, they still ran out of money. Mm -hmm. They still ran out of money. Well, okay. they always run out of money because and, they and don't know how to make money. They, they just they can't make money. money. Yeah. Yeah. When, and, when you create a society where nobody does anything and they're expected, uh, they, they expect to get paid for doing nothing, the product that they'll produce is nothing. And, so, uh, you know, communists don't have a clue how to make a, a thriving, profitable business because it's antithetical with the way they think. Because sure, their, their whole concept of life is a zero-sum game, right? Right, exactly. You take from some to give, give to, to another. Yeah, and you don't create anything. And it's like Maggie Thatcher said, you know, the problem with socialism is eventually you run out run of other, other people's, people's money. money. Yes. You know, I always thought that's a fantastic quote, you know, it's just, um, yeah. There, then lastly, for the somewhat younger Americans who don't have much of an exposure to the cold war, my, my comment would be, See if you can make some friends who grew up in Eastern Europe because they know what this is. They don't have any illusions or delusions about what they're up against. There is a reason why the Poles are arming faster than any other nation on earth, including the US or the Russians or the Chinese. The Poles are going nuts building their army at the moment. They have lived this stuff before, okay? When uh, And so have the other Eastern European nations like the Romanians and those. I did some patent work. The, the, I do patents for people. So I did some work for two Romanians who put a company together, a microwave company here in Vancouver. And one day they sort of asked me a bit about South Africa and I explained some of this stuff and they said, yeah, yeah, that sounds right. That's what we remember. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's what we remember. 
Um, I, I mentioned this thing about CADA deployment earlier. The correct word for that is placing political officers in the workplace, very much like the political officer on a Russian U-boat, right? That's right. And uh, it's one of those that caused me to leave the country eventually. He looked me straight in the eye and he said, Harry, no, you don't understand. Our plan is to get rid of all people like you. Mm -hmm. There's very little leeway for interpretation there. There were four witnesses to that event. Um, two black ladies, one Cape colored man and one Indian. The terror on their faces. They, they knew what this was. Mm -hmm. The terror on their faces was worth a book. Okay. And uh, as I say, the Romanian guy said, yeah, that, that sounds normal. That's what we had. That's what we lived with. And for those people who watched what was happen happening with the truckers, at one point, one of the YouTube guys walked up to a truck and there was... Um, Actually, I think it was a Romanian driver. I think he must have been. Yeah, I think he was Romanian. And spoke to him, and the guy said, this behavior of the government is exactly what we had in Romania. Hmm. This is what I fled from. This is it. Mm -hmm. This is when Trudeau set the little green men on everybody, and they started hacking with pickaxes at the doors of the trucks to pull them to you know, get them started and yanked away and all that kind of stuff. It's when they started taking people's property. In South Africa, the government threatened to take property. In Canada, they actually did. Well, they're doing it in South Africa, Dal. Okay. So, so uh, I, I never in a million years thought I would escape South Africa to get into this Canadian world that baby doe has created mm -hmm. okay my detestation of that man knows no bounds mm -hmm. call him baby doc <laughs> because uh papa doc and, and baby doc in haiti uh I, I you know that's the same same kind of mentality and uh from the same part of the world the fathers right. uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because there's a whole grouping of people who speculate what the relationship was between his family and uh, Castro on many different levels. Well, I don't know if you, you, you didn't see this, but uh, they showed pictures of uh, Castro at the same age, right next to Trudeau. And I'm telling you, they are. They could have been twin brothers. They could have been twin brothers. If if you go back and go through some of the archives of uh, Fidel Castro when he was a young man, you you will be amazed. You know, get rid of some of the facial hair. You'll be yep. amazed. Well, here's a picture for you. I'm going to share a screen and see if it works. Do you see that? Oh yeah. I've got that picture on my website. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay, that's 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 actually not Justin. That's the that's brother. His brother. Yeah. 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 Okay, but just thought you should see that.
Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Harry, we've got a problem now with uh, people who are uh, Afrikaners that are in the United States or trying to emigrate to the United States. Um, I'm going to use this opportunity. Are you uh, fully behind uh, us trying to put together a, a site or a, a way that we can help these people uh, by not necessarily monetarily, although, you know, at some point I think that might be necessary, but uh, provide them with the technical means and maybe some uh, legal expertise and things like that can help them to uh, overcome the barriers that they're uh, they're up against. Let me put it this way. I don't know what exact form it should take, but clearly we need to do something. Yeah. Okay. That's um, my comment. The, too. the suggestions have ranged from a, a website where people can basically knock for help in various ways. I mean, I previously participated in an organization that was called SA Canada that, that helped people in various ways. I mean, I even wrote to an airport to go and collect new immigrants just to help them in their first few hours in the country, get them to a hotel, for example, you know, help them collect their stuff at the airport. Um, I physically did that. On on Christmas Eve, I drove to the airport to go and help them collect their stuff. Um, Incidentally, I also, Harry, I will yeah. have to tell you that's a, an appropriate thing and that uh, uh, God didn't create us and uh, we are not Christians to uh, ignore people on, uh, and it's appropriate that you did that on Christmas Eve. Okay. The... Uh, but so I participated in this for about seven years um, and published a lot of stuff on there. Help people by telling them, guys, finances work differently here. Okay. In South Africa, your car costs almost as much as your house. Here, it's not like that at all. Okay. Uh, there was no such thing at the time as a mortgage line of credit in South Africa. There was here. Uh, people are much more in debt over here than in South Africa. There's a social net here. There's not a social net there. Uh, stuff like that. Uh, just some of the basics like, no, 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 no. When it comes to your power bill, here's what you want to do. Here's how you want to split your power up. Uh, all kinds of practical things like if you're going to buy a car for heaven's sakes don't buy this particular brand which i shall not mention okay mm-hmm. uh it'll it'll go for for two months if you want a car for two months that's what you get mm-hmm. and if you if you have a if you have a warranty on the transmission you can be guaranteed that one month after the warranty is up the transmission will drop stuff like that so just don't go there don't buy it Okay. Uh, watch out for people scaring up bulls. It's a national pastime in Canada. Okay. <laughs> if you take if you take your car to the to the workshop to have the tires changed, don't end up having your engine re, you know overhauled. Mm-hmm. Well, Is Harry. That- I I think we're at a point now, and I mean, I think your point is you tried to do this, and you've done it in the past. Maybe the timing 
was a little bit too far ahead of the curve. But I think right now with the tragedy that's going on in South Africa and uh, all over the world for that matter, and the communists exposing themselves as the evil bastards that they are, uh, maybe the timing now is better. And it, with your uh, with your help, and I'm going to try to do what I can as well, and uh, maybe we can start putting together a, uh, a, a program to help some of these people to escape uh, the, the genocide that is now South Africa. Yeah. yeah. So the, the, the exact mechanism we have to talk through, and this is probably not the right place and time to do it, but uh, uh, something has to be done. I'm happy to play my part in it. It may have something to do with operations like GoFundMe or other things like that. Um, uh, but we need to put our heads together and think this through really carefully. Uh, we, we we also don't want to help people in into deeper trouble than they already have. Right. Um, so right. we have to make sure that we do it in terms of the proper laws of the United States and things like right. that. Right, right. And don't, uh, fall, don't run foul of the banks and stuff like that. Right. And we're going to have to do it uh, very definitely, um, you know, utilizing all the uh, legal structures that we know make sense uh, that we don't run afoul with the IRS or whoever. But at the same time, uh, I want our listeners that uh, are capable of helping out, be ready to try to help out a little bit. Uh, send your suggestions, please. Uh, send your suggestions. Send uh, anything that you think could help put this program together. We're open to it. We really are. And at the same time, understand that it is going to take uh, some financial commitment on other people's part uh, to try to help these people. This is a legitimate effort to try to save Christian, white Christian Afrikaners who are trying to escape a, a political, a communist political system that is based on tyranny, based on murder and genocide, and we're trying to get them out. So uh, with that said, Harry, do you want to add anything to that? No, I, I just want to repeat that my faith is in the ordinary American who I regard as a proper human being. I have seen them in operation. I know how their hearts work. I put my faith there. Um, I'll have to play my part and help to to put this all together. But in the end, we're, we're in the hands of the decent American people. And we're in the hands of God. We're, we're in the hands of our Creator and our Lord because Frankly, we can't do this unless we've got his uh, blessing, and that's what we're looking for when we put this together. So, all right. Well, Harry, thank you for uh, being our guest. It uh, looks like uh, Digga Digga Dan is ready to go with uh, his program. And uh, Harry, thank you again. Okay. Uh, I will be back in touch with you probably today. We'll... Uh, I haven't had a chance to read your latest uh, emails, but I will. 
and um, we'll be in touch and we'll continue to work on this. We can't let this drop. We've yeah. got to do something to help people who really desperately need help. And I, I also just need to say thanks to Thumper for babysitting our process here. Oh, he always does. Good man. Thumper, thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, with that said, uh, dig a dig a damn, take it from here, my friend. And incidentally, I wanted to thank you for uh, covering for me a couple of weeks ago. Oh, that was my pleasure. I uh, took the opportunity to educate myself and the audience about the red pill. Uh-huh. So, was, uh, yeah, it was a great opportunity. And oh, great. Uh, yeah, boy, it's interesting that Harry uh, Harry's story there. Well, uh, believe me, the Afrikaners are in uh, serious trouble right now. South Africa, uh, the white population, just uh, at one time it was 6 million whites and uh, somewhere around 20 million blacks. And according to the latest census I saw, it's... Uh, uh, 60 million blacks in uh, somewhere fewer than 3 million whites are left in that country. Yeah. Wow. Well, this is the face of one of those 3 million whites in South Africa. In case you hadn't seen, uh, that's Amanda Platt, who was attacked on August 17th. After 90,000 supporters of the economic freedom fighters chanted, kill the Boer, kill the farmer in Johannesburg on July 30th, the New York Times claimed the violent struggle song was not meant literally, even as farm attacks spiked after the event. On August 17th, a couple was brutally attacked by four men chanting, kill the Boer. Thanks to quick reaction by civilian security structures, six culprits were apprehended. South Africa's Black Party sings Kill the Boer, otherwise known as Whites, Kill the White Farmer. You see that uh, Harry said that these people thrive on killing and the violence. Look at this video. It's a stadium full of Africans saying, kill the white farmer, kill the boer, kill the white. Shoot to kill. Shoot to kill. I'd want to be a white man in that crowd. There's a lot we don't know. South Africa's Black Party sings Kill the Boer. That's July 30th. Uh, boy, isn't that something? 
So we come back to this uh, article here. Oh, uh, where the heck am I? Oh, ah, I can't reach the tab here. Uh, maybe I have to go back. Yep, okay. It's on this tab here. A farming couple from Pieter Maritzburg and KwaZulu Natal, South Africa, were severely assaulted on their farm while their attackers allegedly shouted, kill the boer, kill the farmer. Civil defense group Afroforum reports four attackers forced their way into Tim and Amanda Platt's farmhouse during the early hours, August 17th. The attackers gained entry to the house by breaking down the front door and the security gate, as well as a window and burglar bars. I shouted, just go, and he leaned over the door, grabbing me, hitting me on the arm with some object, then pulled me so hard while shouting, kill the boer, kill the farmer. I managed to loosen his grip and got away, ran to set the alarm off again, but in vain. They were ruthless and persistent. Nothing deterred them, not even the alarm, nor the fact that we were fighting with a bolt cutter and lead pipes eventually stabbed with a spear while her husband was trying to fight off the attackers. She managed to escape and returned armed to save her husband. Upon her return, the attackers had already fled. Thanks to the swift response of the local farming community and civilian safety structures, six, sus six suspects, including the getaway drivers, were apprehended. The chanting of kill the boer, kill the farmer, is nothing else but the incitement of violence against a minority group. I can only assume that those who try to tell us that the song is just a metaphor actually support these attacks, says Jacques Brudrick, Afroform spokesperson for Community safer, Safety. Uh, we have another video here. Good morning, South Africa. In the early hour mornings of the 17th of August, Amanda Platt and her husband were attacked on their farm outside Peter Marisburg. The attackers literally took minutes to break down the security fence and the burglar bars and then broke their way through the door and started assaulting the couple quite heavily with pipes, crowbars and other instruments. All the while chanting, kill the boer, kill the farmer. After that, one of the attackers proceeded to stab Amanda with a spear. Now, if you're one of those people who follow the argument that the singing of the song does not have real-life consequences for farmers and Buddha who are getting murdered, well, then there can only be two explanations for that. The first is that you are being disingenuous and that you do actually support these attacks and you do want farmers and Buddha to get murdered. The second explanation, if you sincerely believe that there's no connection between the singing of the song and the murders that are happening, well then perhaps your mom dropped you on your head as a baby. South Africa cannot afford to let hateful politicians like the EFF so divide in this country. And Afriforum will not allow it. That is why we will continue our legal battle to officially get the singing of the song declared as hate speech. Yeah, it's interesting. The I've not been big on the whole hate speech thing. Good but, morning, uh, South Africa. Never been on this side of it either.
Well, that's it. Um, and Dan, uh, people that uh, say this isn't happening, all they've got to do, Harry says this, and it's true, uh, spend the $1,200 and get yourself a ticket uh, to South Africa, and then don't stay in the resort areas. Go out and walk around uh, the the country. Go around uh, the cities outside of the uh, resort areas. It'll take you about 15 minutes to figure out things are not uh, the way the lamestream media is trying to uh, report them. Well, that's if any of us ever get to the mainstream media. I have to plead 100% ignorance on this, Dan. You know, I I don't pay attention to South Africa at all. So, I, you know, I am I don't even have the disadvantage of the mainstream media. Well, um, they, they have a different way of reporting uh, what what is happening in South Africa. Everything is this this uh, romantic love affair with Mandela, even though he's now been dead uh, a number of years and his administration hasn't been in power for a very long time. The ANC is a communist group. There's no question about it. Uh, Mandy uh, Jacob, the lady that was on with us earlier, uh, talked about uh, Mandela being a communist. Actually, it was a Beautiful picture that I have of him standing with Joe Slovo, the uh, president of the uh, South African Communist Party, standing in front of a hammer and sickle with their fists in the air with that clenched right fist, which is a, uh, a typical insignia of the Communist Party. So, uh, you know, there's no question about it. Uh, Mandela was a terrorist. He was a communist. Uh, they've given him a free pass forever. Uh, how he got a Nobel Peace Prize is absolutely astounding. But then how did uh, uh, oh, uh, trying to think. Well, Obama, certainly he got a, a Nobel Prize, and he had been in office a total of, uh, I think, three weeks when they gave him a Nobel Prize. And... Uh, uh, certainly, Al Gore got one for his work on climate, which has made him a multi-billionaire. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think they hand out Nobel Prize for virtually anything now. Yeah, it really has no value whatsoever. Hey, the one question I wanted to ask uh, of Harry, or perhaps you, what is a good source for us to turn to for South African news? Harry, are you still on? Maybe you would be the best one to answer that question if you're still on. And he may have uh, he may have taken off for a break because we were on for two hours. Yeah. Um, I will I I will make this comment, um, Dan. Uh, by his book uh, Amabulu, the birth and death of the second America. Uh, it's a it's a long book. I think it's 700 pages, but it is a history of South Africa that uh, goes into the smallest details and gives a really, really good explanation of how uh, South Africa uh, got from where it was when the 
uh, Dutch first landed at the Cape in uh, 1652 until, uh, well, probably 10 years ago. And then understand that things have really, really changed in the last uh, couple of years, and there are lots of sites on, um, just go to uh, Google and you can uh, pull up South Africa farm murders and things like that, and you'll be amazed with all the uh, information there is out there. Although they do take it down as soon as it gets too many uh, views, they take it down. Hmm. And um, you can go to um, Harry's uh, website, uh, amabulu.com, and um, you can sign up. He does an actual newsletter uh, that he sends out on a regular basis. So, uh, I don't suppose you could help me with the spelling on that, could you? <laughs> I sure can. Uh, capital A-M-A, -A, capital B-H-U-L-U, as one word. A-M-A-B-H-U-L-U. Right. Amabulu. Okay. Amabulu. And that uh, that's basically the uh, uh, word for uh, white Afrikaans. So. Uh, in addition to uh, Boer, I learned. Yeah, Boer is a fa uh, farmer in uh -huh. Dutch. And they pronounce a boer, but it's... Um, uh, that's Dutch for farmer. And uh, Amabulu is um, basically a description of the white African um, people, you know, the Afrikaners. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Well, thanks for uh, hopping back in there, Dan. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, well, I appreciate you putting that up. We, uh, just so you know, we were approached by uh, Alex Newman, uh, who spent uh, four years in South Africa. He and his brother were down there for four years, and he got to know the uh, the people of South Africa very well. And um, he sent uh, Harry a an email asking his help on a uh, particular family. There was a a woman and her husband and their three kids that literally left everything they had and came uh, to this country uh, almost penniless just to escape because they'd been uh, robbed in their home, they'd been beaten, they had been, uh, uh, she had been threatened with rape and, um, uh, you know, they just, they, they lived a miserable existence. They came to, uh, they, they couldn't immigrate into the United States because the laws wouldn't allow, wouldn't recognize white Africans as uh, refugees. Uh. That we have a very racist, anti-white, anti-Christian administration in power right now. And um, they had to go to Mexico, and then they came across the Mexican border and uh, sought asylum across the Mexican border. That was the only way they could get in. And um, long story short, they've been here for about a year and a half, something like that, maybe two years. And um, the husband had uh, heart issues and died. He was only, I think, 44 years old, and he died. Oh, and man. left her and 
three boys, uh, and uh, she lost her work permits uh, when her husband died because he was the primary breadwinner and they were working on his work visas. And so now she's uh, stuck here, can't uh, find gainful employment, legal gainful employment, and, uh, you know, they're trying to force them into basically into leaving, and they've got nowhere to go. Oh, man. And uh, so we're trying to put together an effort to uh, see if we can help that family. Yeah, what's uh, where do we turn to for that story, more information? Um, give me a call. Uh, you, you, I got my phone number. Give me a call, and we'll visit about it. We're uh, putting together, I think, a, a GoFundMe site uh, okay. to try to help this uh, particular family. But we want to put put together a bigger effort because there are literally three, nearly three million uh, Afrikaners, white Africans, who are now being thrown out of their own country, either from fear of being killed and murdered or just being uh, their land, their property, everything being taken away. And so there's a major effort out there to get rid of the Afrikaners, and we're trying to create uh, some kind of a safety net to uh, try to help them at least get out of the country. Yeah. You know, here in that story, it kind of reminds me a bit about my mother's story. You know, she was uh, born, raised in Romania. Uh, she had uh, three sisters, and uh, her father was a farmer. And the uh, the Germans came through in uh, World War II. They knocked on the door and said, you come with us. And uh, her one memory was standing on the front door of the uh, farmhouse, waving goodbye to her dad, and and the memory that he never turned around to look back. And uh, that was one detail that she remembered. And he, they never saw him again. He died in a war. And uh, one of her sisters died. And then they fled Romania in a horse and wagon, went to Austria, and she made her way to the United States. And you know, her mother was a widow, remarried, and, you know, it's kind of like the American dream. There are a lot of uh, folks fled war, fl you know, fl and uh, you know, she had to leave a nice home. They had farmland, and, uh, yeah, similar yeah. to this this mother that you're talking about. It's just, it's tough. You know, well, we don't... No, you go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, we don't know what hardship is. You know, me sitting yeah. here in my chair in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, I don't know hardship. You know, this lady right. knows hardship. That was going to be my next comment, Dan, is that uh, Americans have had it so easy so long. We are going to experience this kind of uh, despotism if we sit back and allow it to happen, because in front of our very eyes, we're seeing the communization of the United States of America. And it's time for Americans to wake up to the reality that if we allow this to happen, it will happen. And if we don't stand up for what we believe in, uh, it will happen. So we're at a point in our nation's history where it's absolutely imperative 
that we stand up for those who need to be stood up for and stand up against those who need to be stood up against. We need to stand up and be the, uh, the great Americans that we always thought represented this wonderful country. And of course, standing up requires a spine. Absolutely. You mm -hmm. cannot stand if you have no spine. Mm -hmm. Wow. Amen. Okay. Yeah. Well, Dan, thank you for uh, putting that up. And um, I'm going to drop off, but thank you for all you do. And thank you for covering for me here a couple of weeks ago. I, I uh, thought I had it covered and I didn't. And uh, uh, I'm sure glad you were there. To quote uh, a military woman, uh, it was my honor. <laughs> well, thank you. From the lakes of Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee, across the plains of Texas, oh, from sea to shining sea. From Detroit down to Houston, New York to L.A., where there's pride in every American heart, and it's time we stand and say. I